Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Growing your company from two to 10 people is the most critical time in your company's life cycle. The reason for this is every single hire that is made can make or break your company. Now, every founder I meet has a story of, we hired a person we thought was gonna be a rock star and they turned out to be a disaster. So where did things go wrong when a bad hire is made? The interview is often run from a position of need, meaning we focus on selling the opportunity. We get so excited for this new rock star to get on board that we totally forget to take the time to understand if the person aligns with the values of the organization. The good news is there's a solution to avoid these sometimes deadly mistakes. And it just requires structure and developing your listening muscle. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Jeremy Parker. Jeremy is the co-founder and CEO of Swag.com. Now, Swag is the best place for companies to buy and distribute quality swag that people will actually want to keep. They work with over 5,000 companies, including Facebook, Google, Netflix, Spotify, and TikTok. Now, Jeremy has also been named to Crane's New York 40 Under 40 Class of 2020, and Swag is number 218 on the Inc. 500 and 368 on the fastest growing private companies list, which is what makes Jeremy the perfect expert for today's topic. Jeremy, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks so much for having me. Great it's, to be here, Rick. It's a pleasure to have you. I love having founders on because we always have so much fun talking about the growing pains of the early organization that are always so exciting. So we're going to talk about the importance of the first 10 hires and a uh, process to avoid making the wrong hires. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. You guys have recently grown and you're continuing to grow to a pretty outstanding magnitude. But when it was just you and your, and your co-founder, tell me about that experience when all of a sudden you got that need that we need to hire. So for the first two years of the business, and we started the business in uh, 2016, just me and my co-founder, Josh, and we were doing everything. And I like to say when we started the business, we were the CEO, we were head of marketing, head of sales, head intern, truck driver. We did every single role you could possibly do. And I think it's actually really important to do all these roles because on the long term makes you a more empathetic leader because you know what everyone else in your company is ultimately going to do. But at the flip side, it makes you very particular because you have your way of doing things. And I know from speaking for myself, I thought I knew all the right ways to do everything in the very beginning because I had to do everything. And as you start to realize, well, I need to start building out a team to help out with these things I just don't have the time for, or frankly, people who are better than me at something, it's a learning experience to say the least. It's a transition period of feeling you know, comfortable being okay to give the reins to somebody else to kind of manage the process. About 2018, two years in, we started to feel like we needed to start hiring people. We hired people who we thought were the right fit, and many were, and, and some weren't. We learned long-term who we should be going after, what are the right types of fit for our company, and we just learned a lot over those first few years of what to do and what not to do. What was your process when you first started hiring? Because a lot of founders, we don't have any training in hiring. What was your thought process? And then how did you figure out, okay, this is how we're going to interview people? 
Early days, honestly, it wasn't such a process. It wasn't very formalized. And that was one of the mistakes we made early on. We met with somebody we had a need and basically made all of our hires based on their previous background. So if somebody yeah. had a great background, not even the job, because no one really was working in the swag space, but if they'd done a similar job that we thought, and we like them on the personal level, we say, you know what, let's give them a shot. And what happened was it was kind of like a flip of a coin. Like 50% worked out amazing and are still with us today, you know, four or five years later. And many, you know, lasted two months, three months because they really weren't the, the great fit. And in the beginning, it became very much like, is just hiring a crapshoot? Is it a flip of a coin? Is that what everyone in the world is dealing with who's starting a business? And over time, we realized that, no, there's definitely ways to figure out who the right fit is long-term. It's more interview process, a longer process, a lot more people interviewing them. And also as we've scaled, you know, now we have different divisions. We have like an operations division, logistics and sales and marketing, and customer success. We know who we're looking for and the right type of candidate. So now it becomes even more easy because people can just interview somebody who the same for the same role. So like our customer success manager can interview somebody else who's going to be a customer success manager. And they know exactly what they deal with on a daily basis. So they can really tell us, is this person going to be a great fit? I'm interested in what you would do now. Knowing what you know now, would there be a process that you would put in place? I think so. I think just the, the mentality shift, you know, what we've learned is you want to find people who are capable, who you think are capable, who you believe are capable, and who have some experience that shows that they're capable of accomplishing things. But you don't necessarily need to find somebody who's done the exact same role or even a similar role. You really have to find somebody who's willing to learn because there's so many great candidates out there that if they were given the opportunity could really exceed. You know, we have some employees on our team who have zero sales experience whatsoever, and they're on our sales team and they were making a shift in their career. But we just knew talking to them and talking to their references and having all the interview process that this person will be amazing salesperson. And this person is it's like our best salesperson on our team. So we're realizing that you don't necessarily need to have checked the box. This person has done it before, but they have to have the mentality and the want and the coachability, as we like to say, and the teachability to learn and to adapt and be able to roll up their sleeves. So I think if we had that mindset from the very beginning, it's never going to be hundred percent, but at least a bigger chunk, 80, 90% of hires work out versus the early days. It was, it was really like 50, 50. That is such a great point. And unfortunately there's a lot of companies that don't ever learn that they don't ever learn. You keep thinking that, Hey, I need somebody who's done X. And the problem with that is why would I want to go do the same thing I'm doing at another company just for you? I'm already comfortable here. There's no challenge. Come push the same buttons you're pushing over here and we'll just probably pay you less money, but we'll give you like some new environment or something that doesn't really help me grow as an individual. And especially in the first 10, which is really important because when you're starting a business and if you have entrepreneurs who are listening to your show, it's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of failures in the early days. You're trying to figure out product market fit. You're trying to figure out what your positioning is, what the product is even going to look like. The earliest employees is not going to be a defined role. Like you would think as a big corporation that this person is going to do this and they're going to work nine hours a day and it's going to be, you know, clock in at 9 a.m. and clock out at 6 p.m. It's different. It's a different type of role. They have to be okay that one day they might be doing something and the next day that initiative might have failed and yeah. they have to jump to something else. Or that initiative, when we launched it, it's succeeding to some degree, but maybe it's not succeeding to the degree that we all expected and they'll have to adapt. So I think in the early days, you have to get the right type of people who are willing to adapt and willing to learn and willing to be okay with the uncertainty. And it's not for everybody. So when you are interviewing people, they might be excited. They might be really eager to have a new job, but really they should have the mindset of we're interviewing for right now might change. 
and you have to be okay with that uncertainty and okay with that change. And if they're that mentality, then they're going to be the right person for the job. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to Healing Career Wounds, which is available now on Amazon and all your favorite bookstores. Let it be your startup secret weapon to hiring the strongest people. Today, our guest is Jeremy Parker, and we're talking about that first 10 that you hire. We just talked a little bit about some of the lessons that Jeremy learned. Thank you, by the way, for sharing that with us because those are fantastic. Now let's get into the nitty gritty of how you solve that problem. What was the realization moment that, hey, look at, we need to fix this, and how did you fix it? Yeah, so for Swag, and this is not my first startup, it's happened pretty much every business. You're never going to hire 100% the right person. And sometimes it's not the right fit. And when you realize it's not the right fit, what I suggest is to either fix it or remove it as quick as possible. If it's not the right fit, you don't want just to go on and on and on and on, and it's never going to be the right fit. And by the way, sometimes it's not the right fit on our end also. Like in our mind, maybe we just didn't hire the right person or we didn't do enough to onboard them in the right way or give them enough to make them successful. So it's like a two-way street. A lot of times we set people up to fail because our expectations are not in alignment with what their expectations are. We don't have those conversations enough to make sure that we're on the same point. And that's an easy fix too. Like just setting simple performance metrics for people before they even join on is for your first 90 days, at least gives you some sort of accountability mechanism that you can build in. Exactly right. And I think for the first 10, what our challenge was when we used to hire people, we didn't have the mentality that things could go wrong. Obviously everyone knows that with the business, but I think you need to be very clear with the people who are joining your team that Things can go wrong, and it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. That's okay. We live and breathe failure. Failure is a good thing in many ways. You can learn from it. You can make it better. And so now all of our new employees and everyone who comes on board, we hammer it home. When you join the company, don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of trying something and then not working out. We're not going to like scream at you. It's not not what we do here. We want you to be uplifted. We want you to grow from it. We want you to learn from it. And that's the only way we're going to grow as a business is if we try it hard things. Where are we going? We need to push the boundaries. And when we launch something, most likely things are not going to work out from day one. But if we learn from it and we make it better and we constantly make it better and better and better, we're going to get to the place we want to be. So now we know how to onboard new employees where they're comfortable with it. In the early days, we didn't really set that expectation. So when things didn't go right, as a founder, as entrepreneur, we're innately built for that. But a lot of junior hires are joining their first job at a college or they come from a big company for five plus years and they have a certain way of doing things. It's not the same thing. Big corporation is very different than a startup. So I think just saying the right expectations is something that we made the mistake on or we just didn't know at that time. And we've learned from it. And now we're setting the right expectations for everybody new. And we build that cohesive unit of people wanting to work together and being okay with that failure. And I think it leads to a better overall company. It leads to innovation. I love the fact that you guys are celebrating failure. I mean, do you guys actually celebrate those moments when people do fail and they share it? Yeah, I love it. I honestly say to my team, we're obviously all remote at this point, but even when we were in the office, we had an open door policy, You know, office hours are all the time. And I'm having the most junior people on my team reach out to me and saying, hey, we launched something. This is not working. This is my suggestion. And I love the fact that junior people on the team, people who just joined the team could feel so comfortable giving the CEO their advice or figuring ways that we can make things better. And that, hey, we did this and then messed up and I'm going to change it. Just that mentality, I think, changes the game and basically is like a superpower in many ways. Giving people a voice keeps people too. It keeps people engaged and it helps them gain ownership. 100%. And when they see their ownership live on the site and somebody says, hey, Jeremy, can we fix this? Can we make this better? Here's a, a new feature. 
Like we just launched a feature last week that I believe could be game-changing and it didn't come from me. It came from one of our director of sales, Alex. And what he said, we're selling swag to everybody. We made the whole process of buying swag effortless and easy and self-serve. And that's great for 90% of the customers. But there's about 10% of the customers that still wants a handheld experience. They want a presentation deck. They want it run it by their coworkers and their boss. And they need a really beautiful presentation. Now, for us to do that, we used to have a designer that we used to send things to and allow our designer to create these decks, but it could take three to four days to create a deck. And if we have tons of customers, which happens, who want decks, it could even take even longer. So now we're not giving the customer a great experience. And Alex said to me, wouldn't it be awesome if we could automate the production of decks? Like customers can just upload their cart, press a button, and then it will automatically spit out a beautiful presentation deck. And now they could share with their coworkers, share with their boss, get approval, speed up the time, no longer needing designers. So we spent the last month building this deck and now it's live on the site. And now customers are coming in saying, this is like a magic trick and we're saving so much time and so much energy. <laughs> And our sales reps are now seeing that their opinion mattered. And that's the point. It's like, how do we make the overall business better? And I think for us, it's very important we hire the right people who want to take that ownership. They're not just doing their job. They want to see the growth of the business. And we have to do everything that we can to foster that growth. That's indicative of every startup. You need to hire people that are what I call builders. You need people who want to come in and they thrive in an environment where they're contributing and they're building something. Most people who come out of large companies tend to be more on the maintainer side of things. Like they go in, they push their buttons, they do what they need to do on a daily basis to get their work done, then they go home. It's almost like that work to live versus live to work mentality that some of us have. I don't know about you, but I enjoy waking up in the morning. The first thing I do is after I meditate, as I hop on and I start working on my list of things to do. And I like, I can go until midnight doing the same thing. You know, I get into it. That's hundred percent right. And I think a lot of the early employees or people who want a new job, they're excited by a new job and they don't really think of, well, what am I good at? What is my type of personality could be a great fit for? And not everyone's meant for a startup for us, it's about weeding that out and finding, well, who's the right fit for our type of business? Are they a builder? Are they a grower? Are they going to be willing to learn? Are they coachable? Are they okay with failure? Is that the mentality of the person? And then are they capable? And if they're all those things, then I don't care if they have any experience in exactly the role we're hiring for. I don't care if they know anything about the swag industry. They could learn. As long as they have the mentality, they're going to learn and they're going to be successful. Right mentality, right focus. What would be the next thing that you would recommend? For me personally, I remember in the early days, I micromanaged a lot. And I think that's probably something that a lot of founders do. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, hard. it's hard to give up the reins. It's important to get them to do the right thing. But at the same time, there's a way to do it. And also you have to have the mentality of, well, if you're hiring the right people, you're not going to need to be that micromanager. You're going to trust in them. You're going to have to obviously onboard them in the right way and teach them the right ways to do things. But at some point, you got to step away from it and you got to let them run with it. It's not always been easy, but I've gotten much better at saying, I feel super confident in this person and I'm going to allow them to grow and to run and do what I hired them for. For me, it's changed the game. It's allowed us to expand. It's allowed us to hire you know, 50 plus people in the US and really expand on that side and have a team that's really working where people on our team stay. We've had very, very few people who have left over the last three years. And a lot of it has to do with people feeling ownership of what they're building I and mean, having pride. It's a very important thing especially in startups. Well, and you not micromanaging too. That runs people out. I've had that problem too, where I've micromanaged people because I have a way of doing things and I think it's the right way. You have to trust they're going to do it better. Eventually, people are going to mess up. I totally get that. That's a big thing. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of us entrepreneurs to release, to let go. I want it done my way is not always the right way. So we've got right mentality, right focus, stop micromanaging. And then that would probably lead us into what? Your interviews? 
Yeah. So for us, we've changed completely in how we interview people. Early days, it was just me and Josh because that was our whole team. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing just in the same meeting and doing it all at the same time and leaving and saying, do we like this person? Do they have a good resume? It's a lot changed now. Now there's like four different rounds of interviews and it always starts with the manager of the department does the first interview. And do we think this person could do a good job on the team? Hold on. So you actually put structure in place though? Yes. At what point did you put structure in place? This was about two and a half years ago. Okay. We started to really scale up. And once we started to have different department heads, we figured that the department head before comes to me or before it comes to Josh, my co-founder, we want the department heads to be the entry point. Can this person do the job? Does this person, are they the right fit for this role? And once we have, let's say the director of sales interviewing a new person, once they get past that round and not everyone does, it's like 20% get past that round because we're very decisive and we're not necessarily looking for somebody who's done it in the past. We're looking for the personality. We're looking for, and not even just the personality, like I like talking to this person. It has nothing to do with that really. It's more about does this person have the mentality to succeed here? Are they willing to be okay with failure? Are they willing to be okay with problems? Are they willing to be a team player? Are they willing to roll up their sleeves and do what's necessary? So it's that it's more of that type of thing. And can they learn it? Can they learn the role? After it gets past that first round, it usually gets interviewed with somebody on the team. So let's say it starts with the director of sales, and then it will be like account executive, somebody who works under the director of sales, who can now interview that person and say, will they be a good fit culturally on the team? Will they be able to do the role that I'm doing? Do I see them being a good fit? And thinking, the account manager, what do they do, do every day? Can this person jump in and do what I'm doing? Jeremy, do you guys have a criteria written down for each thing so that everybody in the interview process knows, hey, look, at this is criteria that we're evaluating people against? 100%. Everyone knows what the purpose of each round is. There is ways, obviously, to get better. You mentioned right before the call, like having a set list of interview questions that could be potentially helpful, that could guide the conversation. We don't have that. We allow every person who's doing the interview to run up their own questions, but they at least know the ultimate goal. What are they supposed to get out of this round? Yeah. And if they leave the round and they say, okay, well, director of sales says good. I feel like it's very good. This person could do my role. It's going to be a good culture fit. Then it passes off to Josh, my co-founder, and he does his round. Does this person feel like they could be a cohesive unit? He's more about the culture, about like, is this person going to be a good fit? Do we see this person staying with us for a long period of time? Because it's very important that when you hire people, that they stay with you. Yeah. You don't want people to be jumping ship. It's very damaging to the business if someone's only with your business for like six months to a year. It's damaging because just think about how many different interaction points and like web of relationships they build. They could be talking to so many people. They can form relationships and bonds and then they just get ripped out. They leave and now it leaves everybody with like this emptiness. So it's important yeah. that when we hire people, we think of it as we want them to be here for the long haul. We want them to grow with us. We want to see them grow within the company. We want them to start in some way, customer success manager, and become an account executive and become a director of sales and become, we want them to grow within the organization because that's really what's going to be fulfilling for every employee and make them feel like they have a real ownership of what they're doing. And then the last round is it comes to me and Usually when it gets to me, it's usually like, yes, this person is a good fit because they've already gone through those three previous rounds and they've gotten through and it's very rigorous. But sometimes it gets to me and it's not a good fit. And for whatever reason, like I see something that others didn't see. And that happens. That definitely does happen sometimes. Or there's something that seems a little bit too, not fake, but like scripted or seems like too perfect. And we have to go dig a little bit deeper. That's a really important note to add there is that you guys set it up in a system of checks and balances and it's okay to get to you and have you veto the person. I've actually seen companies that the CEO would get upset with people because the person made it that far. There's nothing wrong with that. 
A hundred percent. It's such a hard thing. Hiring is such a hard thing that I can never get upset if somebody made it that far because it's, I've made so many mistakes in hiring the wrong person. It's about getting the right fit. That's the main thing. So if I'm interviewing at the end, I'm always going into those interviews, hoping that it's a good fit because obviously it's a process to get to me. And we want this person to be a great fit. And I hope that they stay with us for many, many years to come. And sometimes I see something that maybe others don't see. And I, after that call, I always do a gut check with my co-founder, with the director of sales, with whoever is doing the earlier interviews, just to see, was I misreading something? Did they, did I miscalculate something? Did they see something? And they'll say, you know what? That's a good point. Or they'll say, Jeremy, I think you should meet with them again. And I've had some people who I've met with once. I thought that there was a red flag and then I met with them again and they were able to explain it. The whole point is to get to the right result. I don't need to be like the veto master or anything like that. It's about getting to the right person. So I'm happy if I'm proven wrong. Shoot, we're getting pretty close on time. Jeremy, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience they can plug into their business today? The biggest thing that I've learned, and it's not just even swag, it's been before swag, it's with pretty much everything I've done that will unlock insane potential is just being okay with failure. Once you're okay with failure, nothing could go wrong, really. Like it's, yeah. Whether that's a new initiative, we have the Swag in the Box initiative. That's one of our biggest, most successful things that we do. We allow companies to buy swag boxes with a note card and pen and mug and crinkle paper and fully customize it on our site and automate it. And when we started this two years ago, it was a huge undertaking. And we messed up. There's like six different launches of this box feature that just didn't work out. It worked out a little bit. Like every single time we launched something, it got a little bit better. And it took two years. And if we got ourselves down by every single launch that just didn't work out, didn't pan out, we wouldn't be where we are now where people can fully customize boxes and buy 20 different boxes at the same time and do a box from their welcoming for their new employees or sending swag to their best customers and automate the entire process. Like we're the only company you could automate that and do hands-free and check out. If we didn't fail six previous times to get it here, we would never get to where we are today. So I think just be okay with failure, but when you fail, learn from it. And that's the most important yeah. thing. Just really launch things, learn from it and get better. Instill that in your team. Because once your team feels that, they'll have confidence to try new things and to push the boundaries. Such a great point and a great way to wrap up the show. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could reach you, find you and buy some swag? Please check out our site, swag.com, S-W-A-G.com. You can reach out to me at jeremy at swag.com. I'd love to help you out. We have a team of awesome people who can help you with whatever you need. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We welcome your feedback. After all, the show is for you. And we want to do everything we can to make it better so that you can grow your company. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Chris Beal. He is the CEO of Connect and Sell. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Brett Giraud.